Hello beautiful people, you are listening to David Odejai, the host of the Half Court Podcast, the podcast dedicated to bringing you the best in basketball news and analysis. You know where to find me, social media, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, use the handle at Half Court Hustle. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a busy couple of weeks and service has been interrupted by a couple of things I've got going on in the background. I won't get into that here, but I did miss last week and so much has happened since the last time I put an episode out. So let's get caught up, shall we? Let's get up to speed. Where do we even start? So let's start with Sunday night's game. The Los Angeles Lakers beating the Denver Nuggets 105 to 103 to take a 2-0 series lead. Anthony Davis with the massive walk-off buzzer-beating three-pointer to seal the game for the Lakers. Denver once again, the comeback kings, almost this time stole one after being down by a big double-digit lead as they are want to do. But Anthony Davis with that last second shot was just a little bit too much for Denver to overcome on this time around. It was a crazy game. It was a frenetic game. It was a game of the big men, really. Like Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic both dominating late, as we will get to in a second. Um, But yo, these playoffs just continue to keep delivering big game after big game. Um, So look, I don't know what they're drinking down there in Orlando. It seems to be working. So here's off to good basketball. Heroes of the box score. Anthony Davis, man of the hour, finishing with 31 points and nine rebounds, including, of course, the dagger in the closing seconds. He was dominant to start off the game, finishing strong in that fourth quarter, hitting all of the Lakers' final 10 points. LeBron James had himself a great game as well. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 50% shooting. And he was he was everywhere offensively. He was bullying his way to the basket. He was catching alley-oops. He was hitting mad three-pointers. It was a vintage performance from him. Absolutely great game from LeBron James. Nikola Jokic was running the show for Denver, finishing with 30 points and nine assists. The big man getting it done on the floor but it was that fourth quarter performance you know in the last couple of years Denver really overperform when it comes to clutch games close games and a lot of it comes down to the play of Nikola Jokic when it comes down to those big moments the Joker delivers and he delivered again well he almost delivered again in the clutch he hit all of Denver's final 11 points Played really good defense on Anthony Davis in that final possession as well, but was just unlucky not to come away with the win this time around. And let me not forget, Jamal Murray also putting in 25 points on decent shooting as well. He continues his excellent run of form coming into this one. But again, their combined efforts, not enough to topple the juggernaut LA Lakers. And look, Lakers got off to a good start in this game. LeBron especially was just having his way on the inside. Um, Denver looked a bit sloppy defensively, especially in the sort of second quarter. Um, Jokic got off to an okay start. Murray was starting to to, to um, put in some buckets as well. I thought Michael Porter Jr., he impressed me early in the game. I think he ended up finishing with about 15 points or so. 
you know, I think that guy, he's he's got size, he's got athleticism, he's got shot-making ability as well. Like, he hit, like, a couple of threes in... He hit one three in LeBron James's face that was just ice cold. So the guy can really play offensively. And you know what? Um, I know he's been criticised for his defence in the past, but this guy has, like, the length and athleticism to bother a lot of shots. And he's come up with some big plays. He's come up with some big plays. So Michael Porter Jr. impressing me with his early play. Um, Denver didn't really start to come back into it until that third quarter. They were down by 17 at one point, but they managed to go on a run. Sparked by Monte Morris, of all people, he had nine in that third quarter. Um, and Denver got it going when, when Nikola Jokic was on the bench. The Lakers looked really flat at the end of that third quarter and at the start of the the fourth, and they allowed Denver to claw their way back into the game. Turnovers were a big one. Lakers were were sloppy with the ball at certain points. Denver started to ratchet up their uh, defensive intensity at the end of the game like they usually do. Anthony Davis put the Lakers up by eight with three minutes left to go, and it was starting to look like the Lakers would take control of the game and put Denver to bed quite comfortably but they wouldn't score again for another two minutes while on the other hand Nikola Jokic was really just taking control of the game putting Denver on his back and really just hitting a slew of different offensive moves he hit a three he hit a little running jump hook on the lane against Anthony Davis you know he was really doing it all and on that final possession like that final possession uh, Denver, I thought, defended the inbounds pretty well. Um, Anthony Davis managed to get some space, uh, curled round the elbow towards the three-point line. Mason Plumley yelled at Nikola Jokic for the switch, which, and the big man, you know, give Nikola Jokic credit because the big man managed to cover quite a lot of ground to get to Anthony Davis. He contested the shot quite well, but Anthony Davis just swished that three right in Nikola Jokic's face that was the bomb and that was all she wrote that was all she wrote so the Lakers now taking a commanding 2-0 series lead I don't need to tell you that this is a crucial game for Denver look as great as they've been as mentally tough as they've been I don't think even they are capable of coming back from a 3-0 deficit against this Lakers team so they're gonna have to throw the kitchen sink at this tonight and I know they've shown a hell of a lot of mental toughness, but my God, like, you know, getting smacked in that game one, you know, losing by a hair in this game two, it's going to it's gonna be emotionally tough, I think, for these guys. But they have come back form. They've proved it time and time again in these playoffs that they're, they're mentally tough. They're emotionally tough. They're capable of getting the job done and locking in uh, defensively and making shots when they need to. So, you know, I'm not counting Denver out of this series just yet, but they're hanging on by a lifeline, man. Like, the, tonight's game, you know, I'm recording this on Tuesday night and they are due to play at 2 o'clock in the morning, UK time. Uh, it's going to be crucial. It's going to be crucial. I won't be watching because i got work, unfortunately. You know, got to pay the bill somehow. But Denver, let's see how they do Let's talk Boston and Miami. Let's head over to the other side of the USA, the Eastern Conference. Um, these two teams 
are heavyweights. There's just no doubt about it. When it comes to Boston, I think, you know, we expected them to perform as well as they have done. They've got premier, premier, premier young talent in the form of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, you know, really channeling the spirit of Kobe Bryant with the way he's able to hit those step-back mid-range jumpers. He's really stepped up his three-point game recently as well. He's long, athletic, you know, defensive-minded. The guy can do it all. Fantastic two-way player. He's really taken a step into that superstar territory. He's an exceptional talent. Jalen Brown, super smart player, great defensively. His offensive game has taken a step up as well. I, I you know, I've been been impressed by both of them throughout these uh, playoffs. Both of them under the age of twenty-three as well. So you know, just fantastic futures ahead of these guys. No, why, why am I talking futures? I'm not talking futures. I'm talking now. These guys are great players. Um, so you've got young talent. You've got Kemba Walker, high-powered offense, hit big shots, step-back threes, fantastic dribbling ability, underrated passer. I think Kemba's a, a, a very good playmaker. Just a, just a great addition to this Boston team. Gordon Hayward, unfortunately, he's been injured. He came back in limited minutes against the Heat in game three. So it was good to see him back on his feet. But, you know, he wasn't his usual self. But no doubt as he continues to recover, he'll get his game going as well. But listen, when it comes to Boston, it's about the defense. It's about getting things done on the defensive side of the ball. And let me tell you, led by probably the best defensive guard in the NBA in Marcus Smart and masterminded by one of the best coaches in the league in Brad Stevens. This Celtics defense is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So it's it's no wonder that they've managed to get this far. They've not had an easy path here. They bested the Philadelphia 76ers in just five games. Although, yeah, okay, fine. The Sixers were, were injury hobbled, but, you know, they, they got, got past them um, fairly easily. Then that showdown, one of the, the great coach showdown of recent years, uh, Brad Stevens besting Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors in seven games. That was an epic series. That was an epic series. It had, it had everything. Big swings, uh, uh, big shots, buzzer beaters, everything you could want in in a, a series. It was fantastic. Um, so, you know, the Celtics coming through and rightfully, I think, taking their place in, in this conference finals. Miami, on the other hand, much bigger surprise. You know, I'd be lying to you and I think anybody else would be lying to you if, uh, you know, they said that they thought Miami would be here you know, at the start of the season. Like, I had, you know, I didn't see this coming. I didn't think that they would ever get this close to making a, a finals berth. I didn't think that they would manhandle uh, Giannis and the Bucks in the way that they did. You know, they, they made the Pacers and TJ Warren, who, if you remember, like back in, back in earlier in the summer, it feels like years ago now, TJ Warren going crazy, like looking like a man on fire. Jimmy Butler and he erased the guy, made him look like a small boy. You know, blew the paces out. Um, I'd be lying if I, I told you that I expected this level of performance, but 
what we've all got to realise is that Eric Spolstra, this guy's for real, you know. Uh, two championships with the Heat. And it's pretty clear, it should be pretty clear now to anybody watching that this guy, it's not like he rode on the coattails of his superstar talent. You know, LeBron and, and Wade and Bosch. This guy's the real deal. Uh, he's a fantastic coach. Gets the most out of his roster. We all know about Jimmy Butler, the guy's scoring talent and defensive abilities. He's not the most super uh, talented superstar in the league, definitely for sure. But the guy is a natural leader and he's sort of no-nonsense, hardworking, no BS attitude. It just fits in perfectly with this um, the culture that Pat Riley has built with this Heat team. Um, so that just fits really well. Goran Dragic. Dragic? Dragic, Goran Dragic. I always have problems <laughs> with this guy's name. I've been watching this guy ever since he was in the Phoenix Suns and he's always, he's shown promise ever since he was like a, a backup to Steve Nash back in, you know, the the, the early 2010s, late noughties. Like this, this guy's got serious talent and he's criminally underrated. And I think with, with these playoffs, you know, um, he is by a hair the, the leading scorer on the team. And the guy's game is just fantastic. He can get to the rim whenever he wants. Hits, uh, uh, you know, timely three-pointers. He's really sort of the, the the spark plug when it comes to the Miami Heat offense. So he's a fantastic asset. Um, Jay Crowder, he's been one of the best 3 and D guys in the playoffs so far, in my opinion. Like, he, he's been fantastic. Um, Duncan Robinson, sharpshooter throughout the regular season. He struggled at points during the playoffs, but you know, that's the thing when it comes to shooters. Shooters shoot, sometimes they miss, sometimes they go on hot streaks, sometimes they're cold. Duncan's been hot and cold, but the guy, when he is locked in, is absolutely unconscious. Tyler Hero, 20-year-old rookie, playing like he's been in the year the, the league for like 10 years. He's fantastic. He's been he's been playing really well. He's not scared of the moment at all. And the same can be said for everybody on this Miami Heat team. Like, you know, this is this is the first time a lot of these guys have been this deep into the playoffs. Um, but you couldn't tell from watching them because they they come out, they get the job done. Uh defensively, they they know where they need to be. They're well coached, they're well drilled, they're well disciplined, and they just perform in a way that you wouldn't expect from a collection of guys that are just sort of, you know, they've, they've played together for a while, but they haven't had to do it at this stage. But really the, the heart and soul of this Miami Heat team is Bam Adebayo. And the best analogy that I can find, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to draw this particular connection, the best analogy I can find is really Draymond Green from those uh, you know, 2015, 2016 um, Warriors teams. Like, he has excellent passing ability. So the, the offense can run through him when he's at the top of the key. Um, the guy's, you know, great rim finisher. So he's a good roll man. You know, if, if you want to run, pick and roll through Bam, he's really good at doing that. Um, but it's really his defense that that makes him unique because he's, he's a big man, not the tallest guy in the world, but he's got a seven foot one wingspan. Um, so the guy's long and he's super quick, really mobile. So if you are running pick and roll on him, 
if you have one of your guards switch on him and try to run ISO, he's not an easy guy to break down. Like he can stay with most of the perimeter players in the league. So he's really good at breaking up those kind of plays. And when you look across this Miami Heat roster, you've got players really kind of like that. Those um, Miami Heat teams with Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson. We have like a series of, of wing players or, you know, Bam, who kind of is a big man, can defend like a wing. You've got a series of players like that who are all switchable, who are all, uh, you know, defensive-minded, know where they need to be on rotations, are able to execute the, the coach's visions. You know, you, you have this collection of guys and all of a sudden you have a Miami Heat defense, which is just like Boston, a nightmare to contend with. They can break up plays at the rim on the inside and they can break up plays on the perimeter. So you got you got a couple of teams that re- in, in some ways are very similar to each other in terms of their their grit, hustle, determine all of the intangible stuff, all of the, that cliche stuff, the stuff that it takes to win. They've got it. Um, they've got offensive talent, although you, I think you have to give the edge to Boston in that regard. They've got defense, you know, through the nose. So so who's who's winning? I, I can hear I can hear you guys being like, David, who's going to win? And, you know, obviously Miami up, you know, uh, two games to one right now. Um, so they've got the ad- advantage in that sense. And really, my money is on them. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not cu- counting Boston out by any stretch of the imagination. They had a fantastic game three. They they came out. They knew that they had to execute. And they, they got the job done. You know, really performed from start to finish. So, you know, they're an excellent team. Like, you can't count them out. Um, but Miami, man, they're, they're just... Like, these guys have, a, a like, a different mindset. They're just not a team that's easily beaten. Game two, perfect example. Like, Boston came out, were beating the brakes off them. Put up 60 points in the first half in, in that game two. Coach Spo came out, made an adjustment, uh, went to a zone defense. Boston have real trouble attacking it. They can't really get any separation. Kemba can't get any separation. Like, it's just, you know, nothing is working. On the other end, like, Bama De Bayo is just you know, demolishing Anis Kanter, demolishing Daniel Tice, you know, just destroying him in, in, in pick and rolls and just, you know, coming back again from a massive deficit and taking the game. It was fantastic. This Miami Heat team is a lot like Denver in that they're not phased by being down. They go down 16, 17 points. And obviously you can criticize them for, for coming out and starting slow. There is a danger in taking that, for granted that you'll always be able to come back because you're sort of counting on the other team to go on a slump when you do that and that's not always going to happen but this is a tough team and they're, they're a lot like Denver in that regard and so they are in my eyes they've got the edge in this series I'm not saying they're definitely going to win but they've got the edge look either way it's gonna be close it's going to be a fantastic series. And I just pray to the basketball gods that this one goes to seven. Because it's just, it's just been great play. It's just been great play and it's been fun to watch. All right. So um, let's talk about, let's talk about LA. Not the Lakers. Let's talk about the other team, the LA Clippers who last week fell to Denver in a seven-game series. Denver, of course, being the first team now in history 
to come back from a three and one deficit in multiple series in the same playoffs. Like that's never happened before. And Doc Rivers, that's only happened. It's happened less. How many times has it happened? I want to say that there have only been eight teams. Like it's only happened on eight occasions that a team has gone down three to one. Three of those occasions have been against Doc Rivers coached Clippers teams. So do you just what what is going on over there? Denver was down by double digits in game five, six, and seven. The Clippers just collapsed. They collapsed offensively in the third. If it wasn't in the third quarter, it was towards the end of the fourth quarter. Uh that game six I watched. It was like what two, three o'clock in the morning. I watched it. The Clippers were up, you know, it was close to 20 points. I think at halftime, I was like, whatever, kind of, you went for a nap, woke up, and Denver were back in the game. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? Just zero mental resilience. You know, the, the complete opposite to Denver, who really, again, showed their metal. Jamal Murray playing like a, you know, bona fide superstar. Nikola Jokic all over the floor, offensively and defensively. Um, and the Clippers, man, like, I just, I don't know what to say. Like, they were, the the expectations for this team were so big coming into the season. And you could tell, like, watching, there's an element of hindsight into this, but go back and watch some of the um, introductory uh, press conferences, all of, like, the, the signing unveilings, all of that stuff. Paul George and, and Kyle Leonard coming in and saying, you know, this team stacked with talent, et cetera, et cetera. Like, the, the expectations were big. And... To say that this is a disappointment is an understatement. It's it's a complete understatement because when you look at that game seven in particular, look at the people that were brought to this team to be offensive superstars. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, zero points in that fourth quarter. Was it six of, six of 22, something awful like that. Paul George, terrible, terrible. The entire Clippers postseason, I think, can be summarized with Paul George shooting a corner three and hitting the side of the backboard. That's the Clippers postseason in a nutshell. Just awful performances from him through, not just in this series, but, you know, throughout the entire uh, playoffs. The guy is just not consistent. And more than being inconsistent, the guy does not turn up when the spotlight is on him, when the pressure is on and you need your stars to perform in those big game situations. Paul George, nowhere to be seen. It's, and it's just, it's not clear where they go from here because, well, first of all, Doc Rivers is on the chopping board. You know, I've seen reports that there are, there are other coaches who are interviewing for the job. It's not, it's not a talent issue. It's about having your stars peak at the right time and also understanding what happens when we are sputtering and need to get going. Like the Clippers never really figured that out and... Really and truly, looking going back, the signs were there in that Dallas series when uh, Luka Doncic, I can't remember if it was game three or game four, um, the Clippers go up by 20, the Dallas go on this massive run, Doc Rivers doesn't call a timeout for ages, the Clippers look like they have PTSD, they're like, what, what's, what's going on? Luka hits that massive three. You know, they go on to win the series, but of course, Chris Tapps Porzingis is injured. Maybe things are different if you have him in the lineup. Um... And, and, you know, Luca wasn't 100% either. The signs were there. And so it's not 
100% surprising that this has happened, but it doesn't make it any less painful to watch when it is happening. Like, you know, unlike Miami, unlike Denver, unlike every other team that is left in the playoffs um, at this moment, when the Clippers got punched in the mouth, they just laid on the mats. They did not know how to respond. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, I think this this was a team that had the potential to go and win it all, full disclosure. You know, they, they were my predicted favourites to win the title. Um, but yeah, you know, like, it's difficult to see how, how this organisation will come back next year, whether they choose to run it back, whether they choose to uh, go in a different direction. We'll, we'll just have to see. So there you are. Thank you for listening to yet another episode. Normal service will resume this week. So hopefully that means another episode out on Monday morning. But until then, have a fantastic week and I'll see you later.